Good morning, friends. Uh, today's message is titled Death, Not the Last Word. And our text is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. You know, of all the fears that plague the heart of man, none is greater than the fear of death. It's perhaps our greatest fear, the sum of all other fears. Why? Well, I guess we're afraid to die, and we're afraid of what happens when we die. I mean, death is the fundamental human problem. Life is short and so uncertain. In the book of James, chapter 4, it says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Moses uh, said uh, to the Lord in Psalm 90, You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. It is sometimes said that nothing is certain in life except death and taxes, but it that is not wholly true. A clever man with a good lawyer can find a way around most, if not all, of his taxes, but no one escapes death. As George Bernard Shaw once remarked, the statistics on death have not changed. One out of one person dies. Worldwide, there are approximately 56 million deaths each year. That works out to 4.7 million a month, 155,000 per day, 6,500 per hour, 107 per minute, and 1.8 per second. The Greek playwright Sophocles said that said it this way, Of all the great wonders, none is greater than man. Only for death can he find no cure. So does death win in the end? You know, on this side of the grave, it's hard to tell. Left to our observations, we don't know much beyond the familiar words of Ecclesiastes. There is a time to be born and a time to die. I mean, visit any cemetery and you can't really tell much difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Oh, you can learn something by reading the markers, but the dead lie buried side by side, six feet underground. There they are, all grouped together, young and old, male, female, rich, poor, famous, infamous, churchgoers, non-believers. Or so it seems, because death is not the end of the story for those who know the Lord. The Bible tells us that what lies ahead for those who know Jesus. As we come to 2 Corinthians 5, we discover wonderful truths that give us hope as we face death with all of its dark fears. The passage uh, as written is one of the most difficult among all the things um, that Paul wrote, and yet... Um, once you get past the difficulties, there's a simplicity about it that attracts the believing heart. Even if we do not understand every detail, the first impression it leaves with the reader gives hope as we look forward to the end of our earthly journey and wonder what's next. Now, Paul tells us in this very picturesque language that we have nothing to fear, that no matter how we die or when or where, or no matter what may be our physical condition at the moment of death, we have a promise from God that death itself cannot break. So first, let's talk about the certainty of the resurrection body. In our text, verse 1 says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Now surely the most important part of this verse comes in the first three words, Now we know. I mean, death itself confronts us with many mysteries. No one who reads these words can say with certainty how much longer they will live. As to what happens after we die, science has nothing useful to tell us. The great researchers have no certain knowledge about what happens a minute after we die. We will not get the answer from philosophy or from history. 
If you visit a large cemetery, all you know for certain is that it's full of dead people who once were alive. And try as you might, you cannot divine from studying the dead what happens when we die. Now, there's speculation and then there is revelation. Paul says there are some things we can know with certainty. One, we live in a tent. Have you ever thought about your body like a tent? I mean, but they wear out like an old tent. They sag, they expand, they wrinkle, the joints get creaky, the arteries harden, gravity pulls everything downward, the heart slows down, the eyes go dim, the teeth fall out, the back is stooped, the arms grow weary, our bones break, our muscles weaken, the body bulges in the wrong places. We brag about our strength, but a tiny microbe can kill us. Sooner or later, we grow old and our bodies begin to break down. And eventually, they stop working altogether. So no amount of vitamin C or Siberian ginseng can change that fact. At best, we can only slow down the aging process. We cannot delay it forever. And as we age, we tend to pay more attention to things like diet and exercise. And all of that is good. I mean, exercise is good and good nutrition is even better. And it would help all of us to get in shape and stay in shape. But I've got a bit of news for you. Your body won't last forever. You can eat all the low-carb ice cream you want, but your body will still fall apart in the end. I mean, did you know your body actually disintegrates all the time? The cells of your body are actually programmed to die. The scientific term for this is apostosis. And each day, the average adult loses 50 to 70 billion cells. And that's not a misprint. Before the sun goes down today, between 50 and 70 billion of your cells will die. That's 350 billion cells a week. No, no wonder you need to lie down and take a nap. You're falling apart even while you listen to this message. And there's two. We will one day trade in our tent for, guess what, a building. I mean, think about the difference between a tent and a building. Tents are temporary and flimsy, easily torn down, meant to be replaced. A building is strong, built on a foundation, and not meant to be moved. Someday, we will give up our tent and replace it with a building made by God himself. That one fact tells us something important about death. Death is not the end. It's not reincarnation. It's not evaporation. It's not annihilation. Death is a trade-in. One day, we will trade in our broken-down bodies for a new one. And just look what Paul says about the body. He says, it's from God. It's not made with hands. It's eternal. It's heavenly, not earthly. That's what Paul means when he says, we know. I mean, lots of things we don't know about the future, but this much is certain. We won't have to live in tents forever. Someday our tent will be replaced with a building made by God. <clears throat> now, second, let's talk about the nature of the resurrection body. Paul goes on in verses 2 to 4. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what's mortal may be swallowed up by life. So what will the coming day of resurrection be like? Well, we can find three answers in these verses. One, it's kind of like putting on an overcoat. When Paul says we long to be clothed, he uses a rather unusual Greek verb that means something like to be clothed upon. It has the idea of putting on an overcoat, which is literally a coat put over or upon the body. Paul looks forward to the day when Jesus returns and thinks to himself, I can't wait for that day to come because I will put on my new resurrection body like an overcoat 
And two, it's the answer to our groaning. We groan because of a job we hate. We groan because of unfulfilled dreams or when our bodies break down or marriages break up or when our kids go astray or when our friends disappoint us or when we live in a fallen, mixed up, messed up, broken down world and we ourselves are broken down. So we look for a better day and a better place and we dream of a better world where there is no more cancer, no more abuse or hatred, no hurricanes, crime, sadness, no more night, no more sickness, no more death. And three, it removes our deepest fears. Among all the fears associated with death, one of the greatest must be that we will die alone and forgotten. As sad as death seems, how much worse it must be to die in some distant place with no one around to give you comfort. I mean, how blessed we are if we can die with our loved ones gathered by our side. And oftentimes that's not possible because death comes unbidden to our door. We may end up dying in some lonely place despite our best plans. So what is the current condition of believers who die before Jesus returns? Well, the clearest thing we can say is that they are with Christ and with the Lord in heaven. Paul says that as much in verses 6 to 8. We don't have to worry about our loved ones who die in Jesus. They have passed into the presence of the Lord himself. When we die, we will not die alone because we will be with Jesus forever. And if we should live to see Jesus return, we will receive our resurrection body at that very moment. I mean, either way, we have a hope that death cannot shake. So one question remains. Paul, how can you be so sure? Well, let's take a look at the third point, the guarantee of the resurrection body. And it comes in verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. But one, we were made for something better than this. I mean, sometimes we look around at the world and we wonder, is that all there is? To which Paul answers a resounding, no. We were made for something better than the sadness we see in this world. And someday we're going to have a new body, not the same as before. We'll have a new body, just not just renovated or reconstructed. We'll have a new body, but our identity will not change. We're made for a new life and a new body and a new existence with the Lord. God himself has made us for this very purpose. Our future does not hang on our own desires, but on the eternal purpose of God who called us to be his children. We are saved by an eternal love that will not let us go. Not even death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And two, God has guaranteed our future resurrection. Here then is a hopeful thought for anyone who has buried a loved one who died in the Lord. How do we know that we will see them again? The answer is, it all depends on where we look. Now you can go to a cemetery, take a lawn chair with you and sit there with some sweet tea and a sandwich. Go and wait as long as you want. You'll see lots of death because that's what cemeteries are all about. Lots of people are being buried, but not many raised from the dead. In fact, the last resurrection took place 2,000 some years ago. So how do we know that there is a coming day of resurrection? Well, there are two solid answers to that question. One, he raised his own son. This is the objective ground of our faith in the coming day of resurrection. If God could not leave his son in the grave, he will not abandon those who trusted in his son. Death cannot win in the end because our Lord conquered the grave. And two, he gave us the spirit as a sacred deposit. 
Paul mentions that second answer in verse 2. God gave us the Spirit as a deposit. Now, some translations say down payment or earnest. Some of you know that when you buy a house, you put down a sum of money called earnest money. It's a small amount that uh, binds you legally to pay the full amount later. That's what God has done through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us is God's down payment on our final or future resurrection. God signed on the dotted line and said, I'll raise from the dead all who have trusted my son. And then he made the down payment through the gift of his Holy Spirit. So friends, this is as good as done. It's going to happen. And you can take that to the bank. Now, what should this truth do for us today? Well, I think it primarily it changes the way we look at death. We have it all wrong. We think we're going from the land of the living to the land of dying, but it's not true. We're going from the land of the dying to the land of the living. And by the way, what's required for a resurrection? Well, you've got to die first. I mean, no death, no resurrection. And unless the Lord comes very soon, and quite honestly, I hope he does, that will be the way most of us will end our earthly journey. Some way, somehow, someday, we will pass on. And whoever is around will take us to the mortuary where the undertaker will do what he does to prepare us for our burial. We'll be dressed up and cleaned up and made to look semi-natural, but we'll still be dead. Then they will take us in the funeral for a funeral service where someone will say some hopefully nice words. People will remark on how they miss us. They'll sing a bit, say some prayers, and then the box will close and we'll be placed in the ground. And I say that not to alarm anyone, but to state the simple fact. We're all going to do some box time eventually. The man who wrote this wonderful passage in 2 Corinthians 5 returned to the dust of the earth a few years after he wrote it. I mean, every Christian who has ever lived has died eventually. So far, that's the report from the cemetery. But thank God it's not the last word. If you have a loved one who died in Christ, you should go out to the grave and have a little talk. Maybe it's your grandpa who loved the Lord and is now buried in that grave. Just go out there and say with confidence, Grandpa, I miss you. I'm glad you're with the Lord right now, but I want you to know that God's not finished with you yet. He's got some more work to do. Then maybe you can read this passage out loud just to remind yourself of what Christians really believe. That is our ultimate hope. We're not looking for some hazy view of heaven where we float around on clouds all day. We're looking and waiting and longing for that bright and cloudless morning when the Lord returns and the dead in Christ will rise. It's going to happen, and you can bet your life on it. God has promised it. When Christ saves you, he saves all of you. Every part of you is saved, and every part of you will be delivered from sin. It is not soul salvation that we believe in, but whole salvation. The resurrection of the body is the final step in our salvation. Step number one, we're saved from the penalty of sin. Step number two, we're saved from the power of sin. And third, we're saved from the presence of sin. Life is a series of battles for all of us, and we all take it on the chin sooner or later. But in the last battle to struggle with death, there is victory for the child of God. Death will not have the last word for Jesus has conquered the grave. Because he rose, we too shall rise. In that faith, we take courage to live for Christ with reckless abandon, because death is not the end of our story. Until next time, friends, see the vision, live the mission. Feel the passion.